Welcome to the Ashes to Beauty, the Divorce Life podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Marie Laswell, divorce coach specializing in finance and real estate at Stephanie Marie Living. In this podcast, we will take a look at what it looks like to live through divorce, the good, the bad, and the ugly, a peek into individual stories as their ashes from divorce over time are transformed into beauty. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Stephanie Laswell, and I'm with my dear friend, Erica. We go way, way back. (laughs) We were in college together. We completed our degrees together. Can you believe that? How many years ago? Like six? That was in 2016, I think. Yeah. So it's been a while. So yeah, six years this year. Wow, we're getting old. A lot of life has happened. A lot. Can you believe that part? No. (laughs) Because, I mean, so much. I we're, Neither one of us are those people. Those young ladies that embarked upon that adventure to get their undergrad in their adult age, mothers, yes. wives, like we're not even wives anymore. We are not wives anymore. <laughs> Our lives have changed tremendously. And yes. when I look back, my life changed in that class. Mm. There was a class we took, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was almost like a life coach class. And the book was purple. Can't remember the name of it. And I remember doing a map of my future, like what Mm -hmm. I want my future to look like. And sitting in that class, God spoke so clearly. And he was like, okay, now that you've done it, I want you to go get your friend, the girls, the other women. And I was like, who? God, (laughs) women don't even like me. What are you talking about? And from that class, I began to just open up and let God use me Um, Little did I know, right, that I would be divorced and my daughter would try to commit suicide and all the things that have happened since then. But it's just been the road that he's placed me on. So here I am today, a totally different person. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's start there. Like, let's start with, like, what have the ashes been from your divorce? What does that look like for you? Wow. Um, I think the main ash for me felt like failure. Mm. Um, coming from a single family home, coming from a home where my mother, my grandfather, my grandfather separated early in my life. Um, everybody, no, there was no successful marriage. I had one aunt that was married until her husband died, but it still wasn't that marriage. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I yes. want that when I grow mm-hmm. up. Um, I was uh, adamant about not letting that be my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so early in my marriage, uh, I saw the signs, mm-hmm. right? We saw the I saw the signs. He wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. We had moments and what have you. So when it ended, the ashes were the feeling of failure, mm-hmm. um, the guilt and shame of leaving, mm-hmm. and then the guilt and shame of staying too long way past the expiration date, um, the damage that it had done to my daughters because my daughters knew of the infidelity before I did, right? So now what kind of woman am I? Not a mother, but what kind of womanly example have I set to my daughters that I am in a marriage and I know my husband's not being faithful? Like, what does that say? That is not the image that I wanted before my daughters. But then I remember God reminding me, What you taught them was faith. What you taught them was long-suffering. 
You know, you taught, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "Okay, thank you, God. It's not all, it's not all bad." <laughs> um, but those were the ashes for me. It was the guilt and shame um, of staying, of leaving, and then the um, just the feeling of failure. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah. What about with your community, your tribe, your friends within your church? Did any? Did you have any fallouts there? You know, I didn't. Um, we actually go to the same church to this day. Mm-hmm. We're about two years into our divorce, and we still attend the same church. Um, he was raised in the church. I was raised as a heathen, a CME. <laughs> I went to church Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. So I don't have that traditional um, setting when it comes to going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, I am um, one of those that don't mind taking some time off. Right. So I took some time off, and my pastors um, were very gracious very, very gracious. They are my pastors, but they're also my friends. And um, they were very, very gracious in allowing me um, that time and space Mm -hmm. because we're leaders in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did not want to be angry in the church. I didn't want to be bitter and um, full of malice. So they were very gracious and still are amazing. Um, They did not pick sides. Mm -hmm. No one in the church has picked sides. Everybody just allows us to be, which is kind of funny watching them watch us because we co-parent, we still co-grandparent, and we're friends. That's awesome. We are friends, so we yeah. still deal with each other. We had to get there. At first, wasn't like that. Your side mm-hmm. of the church, my side of the church. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a fight. We were having this silent fight over who was going to get our seat because he would sit there when I wasn't there, and I would sit there when he wasn't there. It was hilarious. <laughs> Finally, I just gave in. I'm like, ah, he can have it. He's here way more than me. But um, far as our tribe, um, no, I think our friends just went to neutral places. Whosoever his friends were went to him, yeah. and my friends were went to me, and our friends just kind of stayed neutral, mm-hmm. right? And so um, it's it's been really peaceful. That's awesome. It's surprisingly, yeah. Um, the families. You know, there's that. My my male cousins are very um, still not okay. Mm. Um, he has a sibling that's not, and that's okay. I kind of just decided everybody needs will do what's best for them. Right. While I'm doing what's best for me. Yeah, because it's not just a season of loss for the couple. The ripples go out much further, and so everybody is experiencing at some level this loss. Right. Yes. Um. There's definitely an identity shift going on um, for everybody involved. For everybody. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think when you're contemplating divorce or thinking about divorce or in the process, you don't think Mm -hmm. of how this is going to affect everyone. You don't think it all the way through. And so I'm an only child. I was raised an only child. I have siblings now. But my siblings don't really know him because they came in right at the end of the marriage. So they're not accustomed to me and him. They're mm-hmm. just accustomed to me. So they're cool. Well, I married him. He's one of nine. Oh, wow. Huge yeah. family. Um, and for the most part, we've always been at peace, you know, throughout the the marriage with the family. But there is, you know, everybody has their opinions or everybody mm-hmm. has their side or mm-hmm. think they know what mm-hmm. they really don't know. Um, and so everybody just has to go in peace. And what I did was I just made a decision to be me. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't get invited to their family functions, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I see 
um, family. You know, I acknowledge them as family, and they still acknowledge me as auntie or sissy or whatever. You know, they've always called me, which has been amazing yeah. um, because it was scary. Mm-hmm. You know, do I lose the siblings that I once had? Do I lose those relationships? You know, um, and even the younger kids, like some of the younger babies don't know me now because we've been divorced or different things like that. So it's it's a it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And I don't ever think it ends. You know, I don't ever think it ends because, you know, you don't see family every day like we just did Mother's Day at my Mm -hmm. aunt's house. And I extended the invite Mm -hmm. because I knew regardless, my aunts, that was their nephew. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he he came and you could tell it was a little awkward, Mm -hmm. you know, but he still came and he was embraced and and it was good. Um, But it's just kind of one of those things that, like I told my family, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I need you guys to, yeah. at some point, get okay because I'm okay. And I want to be okay because I want him to be healed, whole, and happy. I want to be healed, whole, and happy. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, our kids and our grandkids can be healed, whole, and happy. Yeah. It's like you're setting the pace for them and you're leading the way. And probably it brings them peace when they know and see you at peace. And so they're able to participate in a different way than maybe if you were suffering, yeah. then they would want to continue to maybe hold that with you and suffer along with you. But yeah. that's awesome. I don't want anybody to suffer. And yeah. uh, one of my older cousins, um, he's a male, and he said that he was like, wow. He said, never in a million years that I think I will witness this. He said, it's so beautiful and you're you're setting an example yes you know not only for our family right but for the community mm-hmm. you know you're setting an example and because I guess I am quote unquote kind of a public figure <laughs> you know it's it's live and in living color it's yeah. not hidden right I've wrote about it in books and we talk about it on podcast mm-hmm. and um I talk about it when I speak and he does too mm-hmm. and and we're okay with that yeah that's awesome so you've definitely taken your ashes and turned them into something beautiful. Absolutely. And that's what I love about you. That's awesome. Absolutely. So tell us about your process um, post-divorce. And you have a heart for helping people post-divorce recovery. So tell us a little about, about your own experience and then also how you're helping people after their divorce is final, how you're helping them recover. Oh, God. So my journey... Um, you know, it's funny because you think, oh, when I get divorced, I'm going to do this, this, and this. <laughs> and I had it all planned out, honey. Yeah. I was going to do me a whole eat, pray, love, <laughs> not so. Not so. That mm-hmm. is not what happened because I divorced right in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, we were shut in. Mm-hmm. And um, normally when I go through hard times, I work. Mm-hmm. And I work a lot. Mm-hmm. God did not allow that either. My first year of divorce was sit down shut up and be quiet. Mm. And that's what I did. And then God took me through what I call Wake, Pray, Shine. Um, that is my movement. Um, I'm very passionate about that. And it's off of uh, the scripture where it says, God said, let your light so shine before men that he will see your glory and give, and they will give glory to God. And so um, what I did, the first portion of my divorce, it was really finding my identity. I've been married 23 years. We've been together 27. Who am I? Right. Because I'm no longer Mrs. I'm no longer his wife. I'm no longer his helpmate, his soulmate. Who am I now? In the midst of that, I'm an empty nester. So I don't have kids. I don't have people. It's me. 
I never lived alone before, Stephanie. That's a lot of quiet, huh? I never lived alone. <laughs> so here I am with my first quote-unquote bachelorette pad, mm-hmm. right? And I'm only responsible for me. So that first leg of journey was just waking up and acknowledging who Erica is, mm-hmm. um, who I am, because I did take my maiden name back. Um, I didn't feel like that was a name that I needed to carry because I was no longer his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have to deal with some business stuff. But even that, what is my brand? Right. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I say in my bio now? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked. Right. When you're married, you tend to do the things that the spouse does. Um, I would always say I don't like sports. I don't know if I don't like sports. I think I don't like sports because of him, because that's all we did. But maybe I do like sports. Right. Right. Maybe I do like rodeos. Maybe I I don't know. So the first half of it was that adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the pray part. It was really seeking God and listening and understanding, because, of course, you know, you hear all the worldly advice. The best thing to do to get off one man is get up under <laughs> another. And you need to be dating and this, that, and the third. And I was like, I don't even know what my type is. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. go through that. And so really seeking God um, for me, for understanding. I remember begging God to let me leave the church that we both go to together. And God was like, no. Um, just those kind of things, praying, figuring out who my friends were, mm. who was for me, who was against mm. me, where do I go, where do I hang out, who do I hang out with, all of that, mm-hmm. big thing. And then stepping into my shine. Mm-hmm. That's, That's where I am now is stepping into my shine. Um, even the rebranding, I've always been a clarity and confidence coach. I always focused on accountability, and God said, and we still will. He said, but I need you to help people, help women go through what I just took you through. I need you to show them that they can be healed, whole, and happy after divorce and that they can be okay. I need you to help women find their identity and regain their confidence yeah. after divorce. And I'm like, wow, God. And I wouldn't, like, for the longest, I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I would just not say it. I just wouldn't. And one day, um, one of my sisters in Christ, um, who's a fellow podcaster and speaker, and she called me out on it. She said, you are struggling because you're not being obedient. Mm. She said, once you step into obedience, it will be a free flow. And not only that, another friend hit me up and was like, mm, when are you going to say yes to God? And then I was at church and my pastor said, are you done running? And I'm like, oh, are you serious? Are y'all ganging up on me? What's going on? And so I just, I owned it. And so now as a recovery coach, I focus on just those things, clarity, confidence, and accountability, because the rediscovering of you is scary. Mm -hmm. And you have your friends and your tribe, but they don't understand it or get it because they're having to rediscover you as well. Yeah. Right. I remember one of my friends saying, uh, I've known you since we were 16. I don't know this, Erica. Mm-hmm. I said, neither do I. Mm-hmm. Neither do I. So everybody is rediscovering. Yeah. And so I walk with them in a non-biased mm-hmm. position right. where I'm praying with them. I'm listening to them. Um, just unpack so that they can be confident in regaining who they are. I love that. So beautiful. So much was there. Like, it's just beautiful. Thank you. You definitely have a story where you've taken the ashes and turned it into something beautiful. And I love the fact that 
you're helping others do the same thing. Yeah. You're taking that deep hurt, that mourning, the loss that you've experienced, and you're able to say, listen, look, I was there, and I know this is scary, and I know this is overwhelming, but you can get through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just, like, in awe right now. <laughs> I just love listening to you share your passion and how you're helping people through this. It is being going through a divorce is scary. Mm -hmm. It is. So I remember um, the day I asked for um, the divorce because God had revealed some things in him. And I, I was it was just enough at that point. And no sooner than I did it, I said, oh, my God. This is it. I just said that out loud. <laughs> like, this is it. Yeah. And I, I was not crying. Mm-hmm. I was not yelling. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I knew it was it. I mm-hmm. felt the grace of God leave the apartment at that mm-hmm. point. And um, I had to work. I had to be on Zoom because we were in COVID. So mm-hmm. I had to be on Zoom to do a training class um, at 9. And I never, like, I was scared because there was no emotion there. Mm-hmm. Not that I was, like, stone-faced or something, um, I just, I hadn't broke, right? I hadn't broke. And so by noon that day, I had found an apartment because I had to stay in the apartments we were in because we were in a lease. And I went and got a one-bedroom, and um, I just kind of began the process. And I remember asking God, like, why have I not fell out in the floor? Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm expecting. Right. And God actually, he showed me. He said, I've been preparing you. Which is a lot of people will not believe that. God is not for divorce. God is not for divorce, but God loves us. And he will walk through with us whatever we need to walk Mm -hmm. through. And no, he's not for divorce, but the Bible does say there's a place for divorce. Mm -hmm. And I just sought God. And it wasn't that he was preparing me for the end of my marriage. He was preparing me for the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. Whatever this is, he was showing me who I am. He was showing me my gifts, talents, and abilities. He was showing me me as a woman, right? Not as a mom, not as a wife, not as a daughter, but as a woman. Because he told me back in college, sitting in that class, that we as women have a tendency to hide behind the titles. Mom, wife, and we introduce ourselves. Hey, my name is Erica, and I'm a mom, and I'm a wife. We never say I'm a podcaster, I'm a real estate agent, I'm an amazing uh, best-selling author. We don't say those things, right? Listen to a man introduce himself. A man does not tell you about those roles. (laughs) He tells you exactly who he is. I am the CEO, the CFO, the what? Is that not? But women, we hide behind the titles Mm -hmm. of the role. So when those roles are removed, when we're an empty nester, when we're divorced, we're literally lost. We are literally looking in that mirror going, who am I? Who am I? And I did that for days, weeks, months. Who am I? And I think that's so powerful because I find a lot of us, as we are going through a healing process, don't take enough time to figure that out. Um, we're not actively healing. We're not actively looking at ourselves and, and seeing who we can be or who we are or finding our worth in God. We're finding it 
in other places and just trying to fill that void in unhealthy ways, which just causes more chaos for us, right? And it's just like this cycle. So taking that year and just really focusing on figuring that out and seeking God to help you through that process and help you find your identity in him and what he wants you to do is so powerful. And I think that's probably been a huge part of your success of being able to turn that around and make something so beautiful out of it so quickly. Like you, know, you said, you're only two years in and here you are, you know. It's so funny because God gave me grace. So I'm not perfect by any means. Well. <laughs> he gave me grace to do the dumb, dumb stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, I didn't start dating. I was separated a whole year before I started dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And the person that I started dating doesn't live here. So it was perfect. I don't have to see him every day. (laughs) Don't have to talk to him every day. And he was not my norm. He was not the list. He was not my Mm -hmm. type. And that was fun. Mm -hmm. But God allowed me like those moments because he was— it's almost like he allowed me to do some of the things that I've never done because mm-hmm. I'm very relationship loyal. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ride or die. I got some questions, but I'm going to ride or die <laughs> with you. Um, and he allowed me some of that time. I thought like, oh, I'm going to be brunching and drinking wine <laughs> and champagne. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Like I've spent a lot. The majority of my time I've spent alone. Mm-hmm. I've spent alone. And just yesterday, it's so funny. I was sitting on my couch and I was smiling, this big, cheesy smile. And I said, what in the world are you smiling at? And I just, I answered myself. I said, this, this is life. This is love. And I'm thankful. I'm sitting there just looking at my apartment and I was looking at a picture of me that was taken Saturday with my sister cousins. And the look on my face The smile, the Mm. brightness in my eyes. Mm. I was like, girl, you're happy. You're happy. Mm. And I'm not in a relationship, Mm. right? I'm I'm not in a relationship at all. And I desire, Mm -hmm. I desire happily ever after. Mm -hmm. I desire that great love. Mm -hmm. I do believe it's out there for me. Um, But I'm happy. And I think for me, and like I told somebody else the other day, you can go through the process as quickly or as slow as you so choose. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. But if you resist the process, if you resist the journey, it's going to take way longer than it needs to. Yeah. You're going to be the Israelites yes. going on that <laughs> quick trip and take 40 years. Go through the process. Mm-hmm. When it, whatever, I, I promised myself two things. Um, actually, I promised my friends one thing and myself one thing. I promised myself that whatever bubbled up, whatever emotion bubbled up, I would allow myself to feel it and deal with it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't stuff it. I wouldn't pack it. I would deal with it. My friend said, what can we do? And I said, when I go MIA, come find me. Mm-hmm. When I go into familiarity, as in dating the same people again, come find me. Mm-hmm. Those were the promises. Mm-hmm. And so whatever bubbled up, Whenever it showed up, I dealt with it. Yeah, and that is scary sometimes because sometimes we push those down from a very, mm-hmm. very young age when we don't have safe places to express our emotions. And so we get used to that, Yeah, and then it comes back to haunt us later. And so facing those things and even going through divorce, I think, sometimes brings things up for people that they've never dealt with before. And it did. And, 
like you're saying, like you got to deal with it or it's just going to continue to come up and haunt you in probably ways that you don't even realize if you don't have somebody helping you through that process. Um, And I love that what you were saying to your friends about come find me because, you know, sometimes people, when you go missing, (laughs) take it personally and they don't know to come and seek Mm -hmm. you out and find you because that's what you're needing. You're needing that accountability. You're needing to know that you matter to them yeah. and come come chase me, come yeah. chase after me. And being an only child, um, I'm comfortable being a loner. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable being alone. Mm-hmm. I am comfortable going into my clubhouse and playing yeah. with only me. And um, you, you, you mentioned having that safe place, therapy. Therapy is still significant for me. I'm still in therapy. I go to a trauma therapist. She specializes in trauma therapy. And so a lot has come in. A lot has come out. Um, and one of the things I realized, even in staying in the marriage past a point of expiration, right, where neither one of us was happy and it wasn't turning around, I stayed because I didn't want to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to be, right? I didn't want to... Um, I just, I didn't want to be alone. And that was a big thing because I spent all of my life alone and I didn't want to do that again. And um, it just, it was a big aha for me, but it's been an amazing journey. Mm -hmm. It really has. Yeah. And the work that I do, I find a lot of people do stay much longer. Like the initial thought that they've had about leaving comes years after action actually happens. And so... I think that's a common theme probably for a lot of people is that fear and not wanting to be alone and kids. And, you know, there's so many things that play into that that keep us stuck, you know. Yeah. I can say seven years. Mm. Yeah, that's a long time. Seven uh, seven years um, I stayed. Mm-hmm. Probably seven to ten yeah. um, passed. I don't know what his time frame is. But I knew he wasn't happy. Yeah. I knew I wasn't happy. Um, but I think I don't think it wasn't that we weren't happy together. Mm-hmm. We weren't happy within ourselves. Right. And um, when two broken people come together, mm-hmm. right, two yeah. broken people come together and not be totally happy, and then you look for that person to make you happy yeah. instead of you making you happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Right. I looked for him to fill voids that were not his responsibility. Yeah. Being a daddyless daughter, um, watching my grandfather and my grandmother separate at such a young age, um, just and not even seeing my mom in long-term relationships, mm-hmm. never seeing my mom um, happy, in love, or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, I looked for him to fill voids, and he came back into my life because I had dated my ex prior to us getting married. So when he came back into my life, I had just ended a relationship. I was pregnant, and then I lost the baby. And he was there. He was my comfort. He was my peace. He was my protector. Mm -hmm. And so that's who he married. He he married broken Erica, Mm -hmm. who needed him. And he likes to be needed. What man doesn't? So I needed him. But in those 23 years of marriage, I grew. Mm -hmm. And I became, and I was able to stand and um, things just change. Yeah. Things just, unfortunately, they just change. And that happens because either you grow together or you grow apart. Exactly. That's what I say all the time. And either, at some yeah. point, we grew together. But at some point, we grew apart. Mm-hmm. And we just could not bring it back together. Right. 
Because we're constantly evolving. Yes. Constantly evolving, whether we're choosing it or not, Mm -hmm. it's happening. (laughs) It's life. I mean, it's life. And if you're not evolving, there is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a problem Mm -hmm. and you need to fix it, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, because we should all be growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's like an art, right? To figure out how to embrace one another and unconditional love and evolve. Um, when you've known somebody a different way. Mm-hmm. And so it does. It takes a lot of intentionality and, you know, I hate to say it, but work. <laughs> it takes work. I told people, I said, the things I think I would, if I tell anybody this, and I told my, my daughter, I tell my daughter this, they're younger, and I said three things I think anyone needs, and they need it from beginning of adulthood all the way through. I said, you need a coach for whatever aspect of life there is, career, divorce, life, mm-hmm. um, business, whatever it is. There's a coach out there for everything. Right. You need a coach. You need the couch. You need a therapist. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a therapist because something is wrong with you. You need a therapist like a car needs a tune-up. Yes. It mm-hmm. keeps you in tune. Mm-hmm. And then you need the cross, whatever mm-hmm. your faith is. you got to believe in a higher power, and you got to know something is working outside of you. Mm-hmm. And those three things. And so if I could go back and look at young Erica when she got married at 26, Mm -hmm. she needed those three things. Mm -hmm. She didn't have any of them. I didn't even know Jesus. I didn't have faith. Mm -hmm. He brought me faith. He brought me church. Right? So I didn't have that. And I didn't know the value of therapy because therapy is shunned on in the African-American community. Mm You know, you keep what's happening in the house in the house. You don't tell anybody or you go to therapy when something's wrong. It's not seen as a mental tune-up. But you need a mental tune-up because you need to unpack this stuff. Because trauma happens every day. And most of us don't have coping mechanisms. We don't have solid coping mechanisms. I wish I would have learned the the practice of journaling Mm -hmm. at a young age. Mm -hmm. I learned journaling last year, year before last. Right. So those type of things. So if you don't have good coping mechanisms and unfortunately, most of us that don't have them, our parents didn't have them. Their parents didn't have them, whether it's drugs or sex or dating or just, you know, whatever it is. It's not solid coping mechanisms. We don't have um, fruitful conversations, healthy conversations. We don't have those. We don't even fight fair. Right. (laughs) We fight. We go go below the belt. We get ugly. We get nasty. We bring up stuff from last week, last year, instead of staying on point. So when you don't have those good coping mechanisms and then the stuff hits the wall in your marriage, what do you do? You've got to have those skills and knowledge to know how to have a blissful marriage. And like you're saying, yeah, who of us have had that modeled for us? None of us. Not him or not Yeah, that we can still watch and... And apply in our lives or somebody, I think we, like when you get married, you should be set up with a mentor couple that has been married a long time and they've, you know, they've worked through these things. And so they can help walk you through that. Absolutely. Goes back to that coaching. Absolutely. Um, And all of those things are so foundational. And I think a lot of us look inside the church for everything as well. And I'm not saying it's not in the church, but I'm saying counseling. Mm-hmm. Go to a licensed counselor, mm-hmm. a faith-based licensed mm-hmm. counselor, right? Mm-hmm. One that believes in your same principles. But I'm sorry, your pastor is not a licensed counselor. Yeah. 
And, and that's just the truth. They're mentors. They're men and women of God that can pray mm-hmm. and activate kingdom principles. Mm-hmm. But do they understand the the, the practice of right. coaching and counseling? No. Right. And that's what we did. A lot of we did inside of the church. Mm-hmm. And just to be honest, the church dropped us over and over and over again. Yeah. To the point to where we went to a licensed counselor, it was really too late. Yeah. Like both of us were sitting in there with some big mad energy, and it was mm-hmm. really too late mm-hmm. at that point. And so, it's just kind of one of those things, yeah. you know. And so here we are, but we're good. We're good friends. So I'm okay. I love with that. It. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. This was very. I think this is actually my first post divorce interview. Oh, really? That I really talked about the stages and mm-hmm. life and the process. So yeah, this was well, awesome. Well, you for honoring us with that and thank let, you um, letting us hear your story so if somebody would like to know more about what you're doing and how you're helping women with their post recovery or post divorce recovery um, what's the best way that they can reach out to you actually anywhere on social media I am Erica Speaks Life is Erica with a K no C <laughs> um, my website is ericaspeakslife.com or you can email me at Erica Nicole at ericaspeakslife.com um, I am. I still handle all my social media, so you get me right. You can DM me. You can email me. Um, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on TikTok. I am on Facebook, and I'm on Instagram. So connect, reach out, and let's see. You know, whatever I can do to help you. And if I'm not the person, then I'm gonna kick you over to Stephanie <laughs> because she handles a phase that I don't handle. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome because I've been able to be a referral for her as well. So yeah, definitely reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we will see you. I guess we'll hear you. I don't know. You'll hear us next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. For more information about services provided by myself, you can find me at Stephanie Marine Living on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in today. And to our producer, Jazz, at Possibilities Podcast Center.